Welcome to Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region. I'm Amy Spreeman. And I'm Carolyn DeRosier, and we're your hosts for today's episode, our debut of this brand new way to share the stories of the community. Podcasts are simply audio recordings you can listen to on demand, much like your favorite Netflix episodes. We hope you add this one to your playlist by subscribing and sharing. That's right, Carolyn, and we've made it really easy to do that. You can find us on our website, cffoxvalley.org, or on our social media channels or any podcast platform you already subscribe to, like Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pandora, all of those, many more. Just search for Voices from the Valley. So why is your community foundation launching this podcast? It's a good question, Amy. One of our roles in the Fox Valley region is to connect people and organizations, bringing them together to learn about big issues, problem solve, and also to celebrate the things that we care about that enrich our quality of life. Things like food insecurity, healthcare challenges, childcare and education, arts and culture, diversity and inclusion, and just the everyday life events that happen to all of us. We've always had these conversations within the Community Foundation through our relationships, but this podcast gives us a unique opportunity to not only share them, but to help our listeners hear directly from the people closest to these issues. Right. And one of the goals we have for Voices from the Valley is that you hear from your community rather than from your community foundation. It really is a program not about us, but about you and your neighbors. However, today is the exception. This is the one episode where we will share our story about who we are, because many people really don't realize what we do and why we're here. And then we're going to turn the microphone over to the voices in our communities. We've titled this episode, Our Story. In a few minutes, we'll hear from Tammy Geenan, our Vice President of Community Engagement. And we're going to ask her to share some examples of who you'll hear from in upcoming episodes and how you can get a front row seat into some of the issues our community is working on. But first, we want you to sit back and hear some stories from a couple of people who were there when it all started back in the mid-80s, which I will admit was before I was born. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, Carolyn, we we know what you were doing around that time, which was nothing, but uh, I was starting my first job out of college, uh, rocking a cool perm, and uh, not really giving a care in the world about the cares in the world. Well, uh, thankfully, I'm older and wiser, and so thankful now for people like our first guests who found themselves wanting a better world to live in. Let's introduce them. I'm here with our president and CEO, Kurt Dachin. Hello, Kurt. I understand we've got some great stories to share today. Hi, Amy, and thanks for doing this. Our community foundation got started in 1986. Now, I wasn't part of the community foundation at that time, but we're here today with a couple of folks who were, um, and I'd like to introduce them. Uh, First of all, we have Shar Sigmund. Hi, Shar. Morning. Shar and her husband, Bob, not only started one of the first charitable funds in the Community Foundation, but Shar was one of the first board members back in 1986. It helped the Community Foundation get off to such a great start. And also with me is our dear friend, Walt Rugland, whose father, Walt Rugland Sr., helped launch the Community Foundation. Welcome, Walt. Hi there. So, Walt, why don't we start with you? You and your dad were having conversations back in the 80s, and he was the one who uh, introduced the Community Foundation concept in the Fox Valley. Uh, sure. Uh, 
having grown up in Appleton, uh, I ended up uh, going to work in the 60s uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, and uh, followed. Uh, everybody asked me why I became an actuary, and I said I, I always said I didn't have the courage not to be one. So my dad and I would continually, he would pump me all the time for what was going on in the life insurance business from my point of view and uh, would tell me where I was wrong as well as tell me where I was progressing. And we once in a while would talk about the communities. And uh, I always thought it was interesting. He retired from being the CEO at the uh, Old Aid Association for Lutherans in 1972, but he was not interested in moving away. He did have a uh, retirement job for a couple years. There was a uh, pup company in Canada that had been sponsored by uh, the Aid Association, and he was asked to go and manage it part-time. So he ended up moving to Canada for about a year. And uh, I think it was that experience which really made him find that when he came back to Appleton in the late 70s from that experience, it was, I think he had a new view of how the community could really function. He saw how communities there got together and started to actually uh, build something that was important. And so I kept talking to him about what was going on in Hartford. And one of the things that I found was very interesting was that the uh, Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, which was the local community foundation, which had been organized in the 1920s, was really the the keystone to the success of the community at that time because of these legacy gifts that had been left by the founders of all the insurance companies, as well as the manufacturing firms, Underwood Typewriters, Royal Typewriters, Fuller Brush, and then the Aetna and Travelers and other insurance company owners. And these were basically unrestricted funds that had been left by the founders. And uh, it was kind of a club. They, they basically all signed up and left their uh, a big part of their fortunes to the community. He would tell me what was happening with the family ownership in Appleton and the Fox Cities, and I would lament about it, and he did too. And I say, you really need to uh, set up something like the uh, Hartford Foundation for Public Giving. When the uh, his successor at the Aid Association decided to uh, create a community award uh, for leadership, and they named it after him, and they put a $5,000 stipend as a reward for uh, recognition, which was a big number at that time. I think that was a meaningful amount of money. He went back and asked them if they would use that money and whatever else was required to uh, basically give him a place to uh, locate and give him some help, and he would try to set up a community foundation. So the uh, the origin started with Walt back in the mid 80s and the organization needed to come together. And I love the story that the initial board of directors was comprised of people who responded to an advertisement in the Post Crescent asking for their participation, being part of the first board of directors. Now, Shar, you were part of that original board. Tell us what it was like. What, what were you thinking back then? It was an idea that we had heard about both in the newspaper and because Walter, Walt's dad, had uh, come into my husband's office to ask him about being on a board or doing some legal work to help with the formation of the foundation. Bob at that time was able to be on an advisory committee that helped to formulate the board and, and get everything started. We had seen the article in the paper asking for volunteers, and it was at a time that we were about to leave on a trip and uh, uh, didn't respond to it. So we went on our trip and I received a phone call from uh, Don Hurling, who was starting to put together the names of people who had either volunteered or been suggested. And I guess I had been suggested to be on this board. And uh, he invited me to 
participate as a board member. I immediately said yes, because I felt this was yet another way I could give back to this wonderful community in which we live because it had been so good to us. It was a way for the nonprofits in the organization to receive more funding than they were able to generate on their own. And it was also a way for people like us who started one of the early funds in the Community Foundation to be able to give to the kinds of areas in which we were interested. It must have been a fascinating time sitting with 45 people from throughout our region. And interestingly, the name Community Foundation for the Fox Valley region was very precisely drafted. Just talk about the regional sense back in the mid-80s and just reflect on the choice of the name and the, the impact that the regional sentiment might have had on the growth of the foundation. I remember challenging him on that all the time. I'd say, that's too long. That's too many words. That's too much. And I think that was the touchstone or the basic fundamental thing he was most proud of is that name was very, very, very important. He felt that given the uh, where the money was coming from and giving that basically that the legacies were not just from families, but were from the workers who had supported the families in all of those companies and those developments that uh, it needed to be a wide region and it needed the four was better than the of. He held that up as a, as the touchstone. The other thing that was most important to him was the donor was the most important. It wasn't the it wasn't the bottom line. It wasn't the investor. And it wasn't the staff. It was the donor that was the critical success. And if the donors were happy, uh, happy donors made made for more donors, and more donors made for more donors. And don't lose track of the donors. I would add that because I had at that time or just prior to that been on a committee with uh, the Appleton, at that time, United Way, and there was a separate one in Nina, and there was kind of a rivalry between them, and I was asked to be on a committee at that time that formed with members of each of the two United Ways to try to get together and have one United Way for the region. So there was a feeling at that time that a regional organization to help the nonprofits in the community was an important idea. Shar, I'm going to stick with you for the next question. Back in the first annual report that was developed by the New Community Foundation back in 1988, there was a proud statement that the assets had grown to 1.9 million, and there was a prediction and a sense that by 1990, the assets would grow to 5 million, and by 1992 to 10 million. There was a sense of optimism and, and confidence there. Um, what do you remember about that? Well, it was very exciting because it grew beyond our wildest expectations. As word got out, more and more people became uh, convinced and enthusiastic about being a part of this. And it, it kind of became the thing to do to be part of this wonderful organization that was helping our community in so many ways. So it was it was kind of a rah-rah attitude to Let's see if we can meet our next goal and uh, hit another milestone. And I think the Community Foundation has continued to do that, not over just those first five or 10 years, but up until today. Every time I hear the new numbers, I'm just blown away. So, Walt, maybe that sense of, of numerical optimism was based in your dad's actuarial background. I'm just curious, uh, what was he telling you about the growth of the foundation back in the 80s? 
Well, he was amazed about it, I think. Uh, he was a very conservative person. So it, when those numbers were published, I think he really felt that they were attainable. There, there are two, two events that I that keep coming to my mind as I've talked to uh, people about this history. Uh, one was, uh, I remember him specifically telling me about the phone call he got from uh, attorney Remley. I can't remember his first name, Remley. Art Remley. Art Remley. In Nina, Remley called him up and said, uh, "Walter, tell me some about, tell me some more about this thing that you're working on." And uh, my dad told him, and Dad specifically told me. He said, "I think I'm, I think I want to get involved in that." And at that time, that was the premier. Remley Sensenbrenner was the premier legal firm in Nina, and it basically uh, wiped away all kinds of concerns he had about the region for my dad. This opened the door to it being a Fox Valley uh, organization, and he thought that was really critical. And then my mother was always talked about the time uh, around the same same time. I think they were they were at home. It was in the evening, and uh, someone knocked on the on the door. And uh, she opened the door. He introduced himself as Bill Schmidt. And uh, my dad had never met Bill Schmidt, uh, didn't know who he was. But uh, Bill Schmidt had heard about the foundation and uh, said he would like to uh, start a fund. And uh, was that okay? It was one of the first funds that, that was uh, Schmidt Oil. From that became a very strong relationship among them, the two of them. And uh, they're not discontinuities. They're basically giant steps. And I think those two were really, were really important to him and probably to the community uh, success of the foundation. Shar, are there people that come to mind as you think about sitting in a boardroom of 45 people and the impressions that they made on you at that time? Um, there was uh, Don Hurling, who had been very, very active. Bonnie Buchanan was on that board. There were John Milkey and uh, Vic Minahan and people, you know, he was from the newspaper and the Schmitz. Paul Trigg was on it. And here I was. I was not in business in the community or uh, had come here as a new bride. My husband brought me to Appleton and I thought, boy, here I am with all these people. And uh, it was it was a wonderful experience because they were all so enthusiastic and excited and committed and just loving being part of this new organization that was going to be so critical for the community. And uh, we in uh, 1987 had no idea that we would start a fund, Bob and I, so early. But in 1988, we lost our daughter um, to mental illness. And so we had um, money that had been donated for a memorial for her. And we decided at that time to start a mental health fund. And uh, there weren't very many funds. I think there were about 20 at that time. And uh, we felt very, very good that we could memorialize her in this way that would provide mental health help to organizations in the community throughout our lives and onward into the future. And that that was a very important thing to us at that time. And what a vote of confidence to entrust that to the Community Foundation, which at that time was still very, very new and figuring out its own governance and how it was going to grow and and how it was going to staff itself and live into its future. Um, it was early confidence from people like you, Shar, and Bob and Bill Schmidt and others that uh, that trusted the people involved and trusted the the vision and the concept for a pretty amazing story that's developed ever since. 
there was a pretty good balance of male-female on that board. Can you comment on that? Well, yes, there was. And I know that those of us women who were on that board were very, very excited to be doing that because prior to that, we had only been on boards that were sort of women's organizations. So that it was a very exciting time. And uh, since then, I know there has been diversity of other kinds that has been attempted and, and obtained for people of all ethnic groups and uh, types of people to be on the board of the Community Foundation. And that's an exciting thing that I have been able to witness in my lifetime and I think has been very, very important for the community. So here we are 35 years later, almost 35 years later to the day that the Community Foundation was introduced into this region. And I, I'm just curious, Shar, thinking back to those days as you were just getting started with it and thinking about what's happened since then. Did it's you ever just mind blowing? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that it would be so wildly successful, both both for the donors and for the recipients. Um it's it's been heartwarming and it is uh very, very exciting. And to watch it grow and be so exciting and of such great benefit to our wonderful community. So Walt, uh, <laughs> put yourself into the head of your father, uh, the leader of this, of this effort, introducing it into the community. If he were sitting here with us today, what do you think he would say? I think he would feel very good about how uh, everyone gathered around and has made this a success that it has become. As I think about the Community Foundation these 35 years later, it feels to me like the perfect reflection of the people who live here. It's a great statement about the, uh, the generosity, the spirit of caring, neighbor to neighbor, rolling up their, their sleeves to help one another. It embodies itself every day in the life of the Community Foundation. And we're so fortunate to have had uh, Walter and Shar and so many others that, that latched onto this vision early on and said, yes, you can count on us. We'll be part of this. It's been wonderful just to reflect on that with you two today. Um, we're proud of all that you've done for this community and for the Community Foundation. And thanks for helping to share that early story with us. Thank you. A privilege. Oh, and thank you all for sharing your stories. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Laura Marunk with Godfrey and Khan in Appleton. As a board member and volunteer for the Community Foundation of the Fox Valley Region, I'm honored to help our donors invest in the community that has given them so much. Thanks to the Community Foundation, Donors of all levels and backgrounds can direct their generosity to nonprofits that impact lives, ensuring that together we flourish. To learn more about giving, please go to cffoxvalley.org. We are back with Voices from the Valley, and we're going to take a few minutes now in this final segment of Our Story to talk about your story, because except for this debut episode, this podcast is not about us, the Community Foundation, at all, but about the bigger stories, what makes this community tick, and what's your place in it. That's right. And joining us now is Tammy Geenan, our Vice President of Community Engagement here at the Community Foundation. Welcome, Tammy. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, Amy. I'm Hi, Tammy. 
Hi there. I'm so excited to be talking uh, with you and all of our listeners about this new podcast. Yeah, I am too. We have such a wonderful opportunity to explore not only the incredible things happening in the Fox Valley region, um, but to talk about some of the issues that we face here as well. Yeah. And Tammy, many of our listeners might not realize what kind of role that we play here at the Community Foundation in helping others shape the communities we live and work in. One of the one of the great things about the Community Foundation is the part of our mission that is all about connecting people who care with causes that matter. And I've been working with here with the Community Foundation for 22 years, and I continue to be as inspired by the mission of the foundation um, as I was the first day that I started. And so for me, I. I feel so connected to not only the work of the organization, but what happens in the community as a result. So being able to share our knowledge, experience, learnings, and to be able to um, lift up the voices of people that are experiencing a wide variety of things in our community and and how that contributes to our overall quality of life for everyone is something that's a a great um, opportunity to be able to be a part of through the Community Foundation and being able to connect so many partners to the work and together, I think really demonstrates how we can accomplish so much more together than we can individually. Well, you know, I haven't been here as long, and I know that there are people like me who are just kind of getting to know the Fox Valley a little bit more. So uh, I'm very excited to learn more about our community and and the many intricacies here. What kind of stories uh, should we have our listeners expect? You know, Amy, we encounter such a diverse range of stories at the foundation, and it's honestly one of my favorite things about working for the foundation is to have this front row seat, so to speak, uh, of what's going on in the communities across our region. It's really a privilege. Um, For those that might not know, we serve four and a half counties, including Outagamie, Calumet, Wapaka, Shano, and the Nina Menashe area of Winnebago County. So it's a fairly large region, and there's a lot going on. And so one of the things I'm really excited about is that we'll be lifting up voices and stories from throughout our whole region, including some of our more rural areas. One recent example comes from Manawa, which is a small community in Wapaka County of about 1,200 people. And there's a new grassroots community effort there addressing the recent rise in food insecurity. Uh, A group of community leaders, they came together along with faith organizations and small businesses in their community to create a program called Neighbor to Neighbor, where they're utilizing donated fresh food from local food pantry, grocery store that might otherwise go to waste if it's not used right away. And they have a team of volunteer certified cooks and bakers that turn that food into freezer meals that anyone in the community can pick up from a number of convenient locations. And there's no questions asked. Nobody has to prove that they need it. If you wanna pick up a meal, you pick up a meal. And it's really pretty amazing how this community came together in a short period of time. Within the first two months, they've distributed over 1,300 freezer meals with the help of 10 volunteer cooks and six volunteer bakers, which I think is just incredible. It is. Yeah. So we were really honored to help get that program started with a grant of $3,500 from our COVID-19 Community Response Fund. And there's so many more examples like that of, of neighbors helping neighbors. And we want to be able to share those stories with our listeners. 
I, I agree, Carolyn, and that's such a, a great example to share. And there's so many inspirational stories about how individuals can come together um, for the greater good and some of the creative um, and thoughtful ways um, that, that people can, can think about how to address needs and, and really just help, help lift each other up and uh, help, help make a difference in special, meaningful ways. And we've certainly seen that to a great degree uh, during the time of the COVID-19 pandemic. And also we've, we've been hearing a lot about um, issues of, of equity and inclusion during this time. There are a lot of people in our communities who don't feel seen or valued or don't feel like they belong. And we've learned we really need to do a lot more listening to understand how we can make changes so that the Fox Valley region is a place where everyone can thrive and, and feel like they belong. So we're going to be spending time uh, on this podcast to listen to the lived experiences of some marginalized community members and leaders from these marginalized communities who are really doing some incredible work. And it's often uh, some of those stories and those voices that we don't hear about as often. So I think it's really important to be able to connect uh, those people uh, and lift up those voices through this podcast. And this podcast really is all about learning about our community through the lenses of people who are experiencing perhaps a different way of life in the Fox Valley um, or from our nonprofit and community partners who are working on the ground to make a difference. So we hope our listeners get to understand and get to know their community with new perspectives. I agree. I think it's a it's an opportunity to maybe understand um, some of the the challenges um, and successes that members of our community um, are facing um, and experiencing um, in our community. And so we hope this is a this is a great opportunity for for people to to share and and learn and and. Um, maybe arrive at greater understanding in the end. Now, that's a, a great goal. And, and y'all might be wondering what's next for this podcast and how I can hear future episodes. Well, the easiest way to uh, listen to us is to go to our website, cffoxvalley.org. And right on the homepage, you're going to find our podcast. You click there and we're going to feature several episodes each month. And you can either listen right there on our site or you can subscribe on any of the podcast apps that you might already have. We're on uh, Apple, iTunes, Stitcher. Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music. I think I covered most of them. <laughs> and and um, YouTube, believe it or not. Uh, in fact, YouTube has a closed captioning feature where you can read what we're saying, uh, in, if, you know, which is re- really handy for people who are hearing impaired. And we want everyone to be included. That's one of the reasons why we named this podcast Voices from the Valley. So let's talk about some of the topics, Tammy and Carolyn, that we're going to be covering in the next couple of episodes coming up. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Well, one of our upcoming episodes um, is going to focus on the great outdoors and what perfect timing to be talking about that in the in the coming months, um, and especially with the wonderful trail system that we have um, here throughout the Fox Valley. Uh, We have um, have many to explore um, as the weather is is becoming so nice. And we're going to also go beyond just the recreational element, but Also take a look at how local leaders are making trails in our neighborhoods more accessible and inclusive for everyone. 
Um, so earlier this year, we participated in an event um, called a, a Trails Summit, where we had all kinds of municipal planners from the region come together to talk about where are some of the gaps in the trail system, where can we add some connections and extensions, and uh, we'll be able to uh, share a little bit more about that um, through the, the podcast. Um, another topic we're going to be exploring is uh, the impact of COVID-19 on mental health, um, uh, on our overall well-being uh, for people of all ages, and also some other changes that might be happening in the community as we come out of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm really looking forward to those topics, Tammy. And um, it's really wonderful to get to talk with you, especially with all your years of experience here at the foundation yes. about the podcast and, and what we'll be hearing about. And thank you for tuning in as we wrap up our debut episode of Voices from the Valley. Let us know if there are topics you'd like to hear us cover in future episodes. And if you want to give us feedback or learn more about the topics we discussed on this episode, head over to our website. Again, it's cffoxvalley.org and look for the podcast link on our homepage. There you'll find all the resources for our topics. You're going to find a whole bunch of links, background information, bios, as well as how you can subscribe and get all our podcasts delivered to your computer or smart device. We're going to see you next time on Voices from the Valley, a podcast of the Community Foundation for the Fox Valley Region.